Fall is here, there's a chill in the air, and the Anomaly Film Festival is right around the corner. It's November 8th through the 12th at the Little Theater in Rochester, New York. Check it out at AnomalyFilmFest.com. It's the fifth year of showing the best in independent genre films, action, sci-fi, horror, dark comedy, and really whatever else that you wouldn't get a chance to see on the big screen. It's Anomaly Film Fest at the Little Theater, November 8th through 12th, AnomalyFilmFest.com. Masters of Couch Potato Style Punches and Popcorn In the early 1980s, Columbia Pictures was looking to capture the magic of the Academy Award-winning mega-hit Rocky with their own inspirational underdog story. So they did what any sane movie studio would do. They poached Rocky's director and composer and delivered an American classic, coming-of-age story about dirt bikes, tiny trees, indentured servitude, and above all, karate. The 1984 classic, The Karate Kid, would go on to become one of the most timeless movies of the 80s, ignite a nationwide passion for karate, and reinvigorate American martial arts films for the next decade and beyond. Welcome back to the world of punches and popcorn. Our family here, your favorite couch potato ninjas, are here today with a couple very special guests that we're so excited to have uh, to dive into this 1980s classic. First, uh, let's say hi to my fellow couch potato ninjas. Again, I'm your host, Mike Huntone, and with me is our magic man on the boards, Matt Knotts. What's up, everybody? And our genius, our ambassador, Jason Bills. How's it going? And last but not least, as always, our professor, the walking weapon, Dr. Mm-hmm. Dominic DeMora. Oh, I don't feel like a weapon. If you want to do martial arts, don't have kids. It's, it really takes away from your training. Like, oh, I got a spare tire in place of my bronco. It's just, Doc, oh. Dr. Dom has a, what, two-week-old right now? Three. Three-week-old. Yeah, getting up there. And a 19-month-old. So, yeah, so, I mean, it's it's tag team. We are, we are, you're lucky, you guys are lucky I'm here. Like, <laughs> He powers through, uh, and I'm sure part of that is because we're very excited to introduce our guest today, legends of comedy, film, TV, and podcasting, currently hosting the View from the Cheap Seats and Dumb People Town podcast, and uh, just bringing out their brand new show on YouTube, UFC Fight Past Nosebleeds, Randy and Jason Sklar. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. This is so cool, and, and we are so excited today to talk about this movie of which we've watched several times and have created comedy about, so it's kind of a perfect fit for... I mean, this was our childhood right here, for Christ's sake. Oh, same here, same here. So what what really attracted you to it? Like, when you were kids, what, what pulled you into the, the world of the Karate Kid? So we never did karate as kids. We were never karate kids. Let's just start by saying that. <laughs> uh, but we knew people who did some martial arts stuff. It just seemed to kind of we were around that age of the kids when they were that age there are a lot of those movies that like if you're the age of the kids in the movie like if you were the age of the kids in the goonies you were like well why can't we fight find buried treasure you know like i want to jump off a pirate ship same deal here you're like okay they're in high school we're in high school we all thought elizabeth shoe was hot you're kind of like you we all felt a little kind of underdogish. i mean i don't and know if I, you and, guys and i'm gonna i'm gonna add in the fact that there was a there was kind of a trend in a lot of movies of like bullying like there there was a lot yes. of like that bullying trend like started with my bodyguard which was a movie that we loved we oh, were obsessed that's with that talk that's a movie you guys should definitely do yes. and we would come back and do that because i love that oh, movie. Oh, oh sweet uh book it awesome. <laughs> chris, that that was when like in the heyday of chris Makepeace, who was uh, oh, the lead in that movie and he was also in meatballs and you know i mean there's like there was like the make peace heyday and he was incredible <laughs> in that. And Martin Mull was in that movie and uh, Ruth, uh, Ruth Gordon. And she was That's incredible. Right. Whatever. It, it was a great movie about like protect kids getting bullied at school, which they thought was like, this is just happens everywhere. You've got a Matt Dillon, good looking guy at your school. Who's just like bullying kids for right. their lunch money. Right. And so many kids <laughs> just accepted it. Like I felt like that movie did a great job of saying kids just accept it. And so, you know, it's like that, that carried over into, you know, the Karate Kid, where there was just this group of karate 
you know, expert karate kids who that's what their parents did. And like suddenly they ruled the school. And if you even try to challenge it in any way, shape or form, it was a very organic movie as far as that goes. A kid right. who doesn't know the system and doesn't know how it is, especially coming from the East Coast to the West Coast. Right. You're a little bit tougher on the East Coast. You have to put up with more. You're a little scrappier. Yeah. So you walk in and upset the apple cart here. That to me felt very organic. And the thing about – and also. Uh, and also the fact that he did not have a dad. Like this is a yeah. huge, yeah. huge element to this character. Yep. Where like if this guy if the mom was still with the dad, or if the he had a father figure in his life who obviously Miyagi eventually became, but like if he had that initial father figure, his dad would be like, Hey man, listen, uh, don't mess with those guys. Like, <laughs> right. Here's not my worth fatherly it. advice. Go make some other friends <laughs> right. and back the hell off of those dudes. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like bullies in 80s movies are always very ambitious. You know, like yeah. they're always they always go the extra mile to bully like they're terrible. Stephen King books and 80s movies. Man, the bullies are just like, yeah, they don't have any hobbies other than bullying. They're just right. so that, persistent. That was their plan. Right, Jason? I mean, that was their plan is like this. What am I going to do today? If they were to if you were to look at a bully's to do list, it's like very <laughs> regimented. I got to wake up. I got to do a little bit of karate to make sure that I can then you're Sure, everything is going towards the bullying goal. Like right. karate isn't just to be good at karate. It's like I gotta punk these kids over here, <laughs> right, and yeah. so I gotta sh- sharpen my back, my roundhouse kick. <laughs> right. right, you gotta Malcolm Gladwell it in order to really get there. Right. Ten thousand hours of bullying. Right. Right. The ti- the tipping point. I right. agree. <laughs> The ki- the kicking point. There it is. There <laughs> well, I feel like for them, it's all karate and then dirt bikes, right? It's, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, either that's... you're riding the dirt bikes, you're like sitting in the parking lot of the school looking at the dirt bike. It gets you to the bullying faster. I mean, Jay, wasn't that the original e-bike? <laughs> Those dirt bikes. It's like I want an e. He was like, I want an e-bike, which was basically like a little Suzuki motorcycle, <laughs> motorcycle yeah. that they're riding at the beach. But uh-huh. you know, I mean, kudos to them. You guys are having beach parties. You ride your motorbike around. You're getting outside. I mean, kids just don't get outside nowadays. It would be the Fortnite kid now. Is that where we're going? It's just. <laughs> Right, so They're, all the all yeah. the bullying will happen online. Like yeah. that's yeah. the thing. It's like these guys. <laughs> the bullying takes place like in a game. IRL. It's bullying IRL. I'll take it. It's not yeah. very cinematic. It's right. just just no. the guy our age showing up, going. I played Goldeneye for about fifteen years in college, yeah. so <laughs> I can get you through this. <laughs> But you're going to have to be on your computer at your house, and I'm going to have to be on my computer at my house. (laughs) Exactly. I'm really trying to get my Twitch numbers up, so you really got to make sure. (laughs) Do you have Zoom? And then the kids, like, the whole scene of, like, do you have Zoom? I don't know. I prefer StreamYard. And, like, that's a whole scene. There's a whole thing, yeah. (laughs) Perfect. Kind of the thing about Cobra Kai there. They, They are complete, you know, they're the bullies. They're the worst. But also... They're just wieners. Like, there's nothing cool about them. Like, if you look at them, like the the Halloween scene when they come in with the laziest skull makeup. Or like, yeah. I, I feel like if they couldn't hit anybody, everybody like, oh, good, it, it's Johnny again. Would you just go somewhere else, please? Like, he, but but right. I but I would argue that that is like proof that like high school. Because I remember when we were in high school, we were always like, these people aren't going to appreciate us until like 10 years from now like all this stupid (laughs) weird stuff we're doing no one likes that like in high school if everyone comes in in like skeleton costumes other high school kids think that's cool right like that's just a signal like there's this moment where randy was watching beavis and butthead recently and like (laughs) understood it in a new way i mean it wasn't i understood it recently in a new way but over time (laughs) i understood i think when it came out when it came out, truthfully, in the 90s, I'm, I'm willing to admit this, Mike Judge, that I, I didn't fully embrace the genius that is Mike Judge. And, of course, everything he does is so – there's, like, the what you're seeing on screen, but then there's the larger thing that's that's actually what he's critiquing that is even funnier. Mm-hmm. So I just th- I was like – we would watch Beavis and Butthead, and I'm like, I don't think what they're saying is funny. But we missed the point. We missed the point because what he's doing is he's making fun of dumb kids that that's that's the limit of their sense of humor. He's making right. fun of the limit of how he's making fun of how unfunny they are. And we were too dumb to understand that. It took us a while for our brains to form in order to figure that out. And oh, once same. I did, I'm like, it's the funniest thing in the world. Then you're like, oh, my God, everything these kids are saying is hilarious because that's all they can think of. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And I think that's what you were saying, Jay, right? 
yeah, this is the height of what these dumb bullies could come up with in creativity, which is all dressed the same. Everyone support each other. It's like group think. Yes. It's, you know, nobody has an individual thought. It's let's just, you know, get him a body bag, which can we, t <laughs> that guy, get him a body bag guy. If we but that guy, he did, he did pass away. And so apparently someone got him actually a body bag. So, I mean, <laughs> self-fulfilling prophecy. Too soon, too soon. Is that too soon? You ask moment. for it enough, it's going to come. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. That's, that's what makes true. Priest the worst, man, because he's like, you know, he's he's like a really evil Fagin who like finds these kids and is like, "You seem oh, yeah. a little fucked up. Why don't you right. join karate and yeah. I'll just oh, like cultivate that." Oh, he's well, let's, such a villain. Let's talk about that. like Martin. Yeah, Martin Cove is Crease is amazing. Like, he is the amazing. Uh, I think he is the best villain. Uh, all right, one of the best of the eighties. Like the like mustache twirling style. He. Again, amazing. I can imagine military, like, military precision, strong. I mean, he's perfectly cast. Like, kudos to the casting department who cast this dude for it. And like, my question is, I'd love to. to I, I don't. I can't tell you. I'm not. Can't go deep into the Martin Cove canon, so to speak, <laughs> of other things he did. Like, I'm sure he did like an Isuzu commercial where he was like an angry, like trying to buy a trooper. But like. I, he he was so perfect for this, and it it was such a flashpoint for him that yeah, he's one of the best villains I've ever seen. I put him up against like so many other villains because he played like the perfect karate teacher guy. Like he actually played it with a sense of it wasn't it was cartoonish, but there was a sense of reality to it, which is why you love yeah, the guy. I, th I think the best, his best moment in the movie was when he's telling him to sweep the leg, which is a famous moment. He's telling Johnny to sweep the leg. Sweep the leg. You have a problem with that? No, Sensei. And he's not just telling him he's like doing something else to his face oh he's like, like rubbing like blood yeah. from his nose yeah, yeah yeah he's like kind of rubbing blood off his face and he's doing something else and it's almost like he knows the character knows and this is what good acting is he knows that this is out of bounds even for him to suggest so so much so that he can't really look him in the eye and tell him to do it. He yep. has to be doing something else and focusing on that other task yep. to mention that because that's the thing that snaps Johnny out of his trance right. to to look at him and say, "But sensei." But sensei, and then it's you got a problem with that. So it's really more yes. then then he he will look him in the eye to say you're being insubordinate to your sensei, and then so he takes the issue. He really knows that what he did. I don't know if the director had this in there where basically he was like, you know, you you did this, you need to do this thing that is quote unquote out of bounds that I myself can't even look you in the eye and say. And then he turns the whole thing into you're questioning your sensei. Right. It's like so when someone knows that they're doing something wrong and then actually take umbrage with something that doesn't have to do with the thing that they know is wrong. It's like yeah. it's perfect. It, that In that moment, the movie gets it 100 percent right. Yeah, well, I saw it as like an abusive father thing. Oh, because, for sure. You know, yeah. Like he's like, you know, he's cleaning him off and he's looking at him and it's kind of like he's taking care oh, of yeah. him in a way. And then he's like, okay, now you're going to do this. Right. Totally. And, you know, totally. Like that nurturing, manipulative kind oh, of yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Super, super manipulative. Yeah. And, and as Randy and I said, like, that's where the movie totally gets it right. Where oh, yeah. the movie makes a huge leap, and this is a moment that we used to talk about in our stand-up. This is my favorite moment in the movie, and it's <laughs> such a throwaway. It's such a throwaway moment, but we talked about it in our stand-up. It's <laughs> so the Karate Kid and Elizabeth Shue have made up, and I think and that is her her character's name, Elizabeth Shue. <laughs> Elizabeth Shue. <laughs> And he's the karate kid, Ralph Macchio. That was her name in Leaving Las Vegas, too, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> hey, if the Elizabeth shoe fits, <laughs> so she, so she, uh, so they've made up and they're at the arcade and they're playing like I don't know air hockey or some other thing that they're playing, and. No, I think they're hu they're hugging. They're like actually like in an, in an embrace and looking at each other, and he says. So I guess you've heard about the big karate tournament tomorrow. 
And then she says, who hasn't? We're like, yeah, who in Southern California hasn't heard of this obscure high school karate tournament? Yeah. I'm like, I'm willing to bet that some of the parents of the kids in that tournament had not heard about that tournament. <laughs> yeah, just like, wait, Jimmy does karate? Yeah, he's been kicking a lot of shit lately. Okay, yeah. fine. Then I get. So wait, so hang on. You're telling me we have to go on Saturday? I guess we do. Great. There goes my whole weekend. Like, I had a lot of stuff I wanted to do on Saturday, and now I got to go to this stupid you know ass what? thing. I hope. I hope he twists his ankle. And yeah. I hope, I, hope he, I hope he has to fight that forty year old Asian dude. With the receding hairline. Like, yeah, how did that guy? guy how did that guy get into the you know the high school tournament? You're just gonna let one of the teachers just fight in this tournament? That guy is literally losing his hair, and he's fighting in this tournament. I mean, that's it. Like our joke is like, if I go out on on a Saturday on a Sunday, and the and the traffic is bumper to bumper on the 405, my first thought first thought is what what sort of uh, obscure junior high school jujitsu competition is happening down in Long Beach caused this much of a stack up up in the LA area. I mean, it's your high school karate traffic. We, we, we've experienced it in LA. Yeah. Listen, know. Texas has their football, but Reseda has their their karate tournaments. Their karate. Who who hasn't? That was just such a great line. I'm like, you can't deliver that with a straight face. Literally, there were so many things, other things she could say. Like, you heard about the big karate tournament? Yeah, I actually have. I mean, I I do. Right. I am aware. You heard about you heard about the big karate tournament? Well, obviously, I know about it because my entanglements with you and all the other people competing in it. <laughs> that instead of who has it. Who has it? I can think of a lot of people. I bet 60 kids at that arcade don't know what the hell you're talking about. So there's that, there's that moment, and then there's the moment where on Daniel LaRusso's 16th, 16th birthday, birthday, he goes to hang out with a man he's just met, like an okay. older man. You want to talk about no parenting idiots. Uh, basically, the building manager at his mom's new apartment building. This you know like how it's like the beginning of every cold case file. Like right. check yeah. his locker downtown. And then we never heard from him again. It's like he's it's like, like the beginning of like the Golden State Killers like rise. To like... So you're gonna hang with this guy on your birthday, and then he's trashed like Wasted. drunk like irresponsibly <laughs> drunk so i mean if a cop walked in at that moment we always used to say and like miyagi just told the truth about what he was doing literally just the truth that he would be thrown away in for for years be like in jeffrey epstein's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> if the cops like what are you doing sir here with this six-year-old what? what what what's wrong i just i just drank seven bottles of sake what's the problem right here that's right and then i gift and then i gifted him a silk robe Why what is, is that the problem that i i had him put on tiny jean shorts and wash all of my cars while i watched <laughs> Well, I peered, like pretended to prune a bonsai tree, but I'm like peering through the window at him as he's washing a car. Well, what, what's so bad? I just took him out at five in the morning on a boat and let him punch me in the stomach as hard as I can. Because what's like you can hear the cops like leading him away in cuffs at that point, pushing his head down into the car. Like you want to? Yeah. They're, they're like, you like to bow, sir? I'm gonna push your head down. You're gonna bow to this police car. I mean, that's what would have happened. And you're like, okay, only in the 80s would stuff like that happen. Literally. Well, then if you look around, uh, I think Matt was mentioned this to me earlier. Like, if you look around his house, like, there's part of you that kind of has to wonder, how many kids has he done this to? Like, the house is immaculate. <laughs> there's a Even whole before Mi Daniel gets there. The whole Miyagi right. compound and 75 cars, there had to be just a, a litany of children that have gone through this Miyagi-san process. I mean, he is not, yeah, he definitely is not, like, washing those cars by himself. Like, why are they that clean when you get there? You like, know he I mean? opens it. He opens a closet in the back of his little like place, and there's like eleven of those robes, and you're like, okay, okay, right. we've we've been here before. Uh, all those other kids are in the koi pond. That's right. Yeah, right. Yeah. They're fish food, fish, fish food, food at this point. Yeah. From a, a a sports standpoint, I wanted to ask you guys. Uh, he's wearing a, a Chargers West Chandler jersey in there. I mean that. Pretty good. A, a kid from Newark who just moved to Reseda is wearing a Chargers jersey. It blew my yeah, mind. Yeah, like, like so. Why wouldn't he have like a Giants 
right. shirt jersey on. Yeah. Like Lawrence Taylor. I mean, was Lawrence Taylor around or is he raping little kids at that point? <laughs> I think that, I yeah, that's, know, but that's I mean, you could, a little you could, column A, a little column B. <laughs> yeah. you, could, you could argue he could have like a Joe Namath Jets. Or, or even like a Richard Todd from that period, a Wesley Walker, if you had right. to from right. that period. Like I, I would have assumed that, yeah, you could a have Mark had... Gas, a Mark Gastineau, a Joe Klecko. Like, <laughs> right, right. I, or I some, would have I mean, expected the Klecko exactly. In LA, like, no. why wouldn't he have a Raiders jersey here? Or... So, so, but that's and so I love that you bring that up because that's such a small detail that, like, usually you can tell that the director like didn't check on all those things, or the costume <laughs> person doesn't know about sports. It's like in the movie the fan you know which was done by a british director where <laughs> it's no like baseball. did no baseball it's like pouring down rain fine and then you know how like even when it's pouring down rain like the next batter up just walks out of the dugout never swings a bat in the on deck circle just walks <laughs> right out of the dugout up to the thing it's like come on you, you got to get those little details of this thing where that's why like jay and i were watching uh winning time recently on a plane we were like oh, catching up on all the things they i gotta give them a lot of credit and of course we give that and of course adam mckay gets it of course right, right. because he understands sports and he loves sports and he knows so much that every single detail like he would never watch a finished cut of something and 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 let a thing like what you just described like the west chandler jersey slide like <laughs> who got him that west chandler jersey was it his mom and why the san diego Chargers? why not the like the rams you know what i mean because right, right. the rams were around a vince ferragamo jersey if you want the kid to fit in for christ's sake eric dickerson <laughs> The Eric Dickerson would he, friends day one, right? But no, what? friends day one. Oh, you're yeah, a Dickerson. So, so, so essentially, obviously, the Chargers are now in L.A. right now, which nobody cares. I, I was just going to ask because like, anybody noticed? Yeah. No. no, and but so for the for him to be repping the Chargers, it like further is like yeah you know what and now that i know that he's wearing a chargers jersey that's his attempt to f- i'm gonna kick his ass even harder <laughs> he deserves to get bullied he deserves to get his ass pushed around a little that's right what are you gonna you're gonna you're gonna step in this school and recede it with a dan fouts jersey on come on bro like are people in san diego in 84 even wearing chargers jerseys no so in the Not early they are because those so, teams are great. The Kellen no, Winslow, true. Dan Fouts, like that. That play, Charlie Joyner. Why not a Charlie Joyner jersey? Ooh, there you go. Yeah. Kellen Winslow. I mean, I mean, get to that point where you where you know what you're doing. But it is really interesting that he was wearing a West Chandler jersey. That's such hilarious. a weird. Yeah. I watch it now and I just pretend that it's an anti Teo jersey. Yeah. Well, they said it was a West Chandler jersey, and then originally, <laughs> and then they, it got catfished into thinking, all right, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> thinking it was West Chandler, but we wasn't really West Chandler. You know, you you understand the rest of us. Um, that is it, that is amazing. Those little details. I mean, look, I, I will say the Karate Kid one had certain aspects of it and elements where they really got it right. Like kids were just unsupervised at that time; they just were. <laughs> It's like he'd like ride his bike around, and I mean, it's like his mom didn't. His mom was just trying to make ends meet. She's like, right. I, I don't even know why she's out there. She got transferred out there, or whatever. It's like, <laughs> isn't she a restaurant manager? Like, you got to go to the other side of the country for that. There's, I mean, that's the let's only place. For, let's not forget what she left. Matt, remind me, what was she doing? Well, that she she had her job, but she was trying to get out of the one to, that used computers because she could make more money without the computers somewhere else. I mean, that's <laughs> and that's just betting on the right horse, right? Yeah, there. It's, it's back in it. Right? That's great. Like, didn't she see the movie War Games? I mean, it's all going to be about computers. You would think, right? But yeah, she that is show up crazy. For the date, though, like she's just right on top of him during that date. Like, oh she's, yeah, she's completely absent parent the whole time. But when, as soon as that date happens. It's, Right. right. As there. soon as there's time for him to be alone with a woman, a young girl, <laughs> right. a young Elizabeth Shue, like that's the time she's going to helicopter parent. Yeah. That's a great yeah. idea. Exactly. Mom's going to third wheel it all the way just to chaperone, just because she wants the drama, probably. <laughs> right. But, I mean, also Elizabeth Shue's parents, man, they are the most stereotypical, oh stuffy ass people. Oh, yes. I love oh. it. Yeah. Country <laughs> club. Country club parents. Um, also, like, can we just talk about a country club that's like, hey, we're having a big dance tonight. What are we going to serve? How about spaghetti? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, hey, are we going to make the good spaghetti? <laughs> right. 
Are we going to make the meal that like every single parent just makes for their kid because they can't think of anything else? Yeah, yeah. What were you out of SpaghettiOs? Like, come on, country clubs. Get it together. We're, we're upgrading today. I know. Hey, it's, it's a country club dance. What are we out of ramen? What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> right, it's you know you pay ten thousand dollars a year as a member so that we can buy a case of Barilla and and Ragu. I don't think there's any meatballs even. It's just spaghetti. It's just straight just spaghetti. spaghetti straight on those that white pants and white shirt. I mean, well, it was a red jacket, red jacket and white pants. Yeah, and, yeah it just was. And and then for him to fall down. And again, you, you feel like when the kitchen staff is against you, like that's when you've really got problems. Yeah, because the kitchen staff probably hated all those members. Yes! And they're on their side. Like right. how embarrassing it was for the kitchen staff to be like, we contributed in their happiness. <laughs> And they're terrible. They're terrible, terrible people. Like, if you saw, if you're an adult and you see yeah. a kid fall down, are you just gonna point and laugh at them? Oh yeah. <laughs> my, no, if I, yeah, my initial response would be like, oh my god, is he okay? Yeah. Instead, they're all cracking <laughs> up. Oh, 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 Muffy, that was a, that was a smashing laugh. <laughs> no, they're like, I didn't realize there'd be entertainment at this dance as well. <laughs> and I was listening. I heard something from Ralph Macchio that he was saying like the director had told him like picked out that outfit for him and he's like who wears like what teenage kid is gonna wear an all white suit he to go himself, pick up his girlfriend like he was selling he's like no we gotta we gotta really sell that spaghetti so this is what you're wearing I mean also could have been a yellow shirt white pant you know what I mean right, like right, he yeah. could have Khaki pants yeah. would have still worked there, but yeah, they're like, no, no, no. We got to show. We gotta, it's got to look like he's parking cars outside. That's, right, right, right. Dress him like a, a bullfighter that's moonlighting as a valet. That, that'll be that's right. Hey, where are the other three parts of your barbershop quartet? <laughs> Guess they're out back there, Macho. Okay. They're on their dirt bikes. Yeah, exactly. Well, he hates the bike. I hate this bike. I hate this stupid bike is one of my favorite lines. I hate this bike. I hate this stupid bike. And he throws it away. And then that's when the mom pops out and sees what's going on. But that's also when Miyagi notices him for the first time where he's like, okay, I've got someone I can groom. Let's get into this. Let's go. Vulnerable. We got him. The spider caught a fly. You hear that, Zeb? But I could never figure, like, so he... This seems like it's late at night, right? When the the I hate my bike scene happens and Miyagi yeah, notices, yeah. but Miyagi yeah. doesn't live there. So, like, how he has his own house? Like, how is right. he there? He's, at, like, he's PC, cutting <laughs> <laughs> around at ten o'clock at night. That's right. right. How committed is he to this job? That also, like, he's pruning a bonsai tree. I'm sure there were like eight calls about like a toilet that <laughs> needs to be unclogged, and he's like just snip, snip, snip. He's out on a boat teaching this kid how to punch, and like, you know, they're like, yeah, uh, we need, you know, one of the windows are broken in the thing. Like, how great of a building manager is he? Four yeah, C hasn't had hot water since the Nixon administration. <laughs> right. He's like. If Daniel had never confronted him about, am I going to learn karate, he would have been over there. Like, the next thing would be, like, let me teach you how to install a faucet. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> let just, me teach you how to paint paint the room. He's just grabbing yeah, those time life books yeah, off the of my shelf. Fence, let's paint over the, the let's whole Let's paint apart, apartment 2B needs, like, a little touch-up in the bathroom. Let's fill the in-ground pool. That should have <laughs> been the right. sequel, it sounds like. So yeah, yeah, this this was a win win for Miyagi. He was either going to teach the kid karate or get somebody to work the other tickets that he had. So either way, <laughs> all right? It was it. which way do we go with this? Facts, facts. But I mean, he's still like Miyagi is the like one of the he's, great mentors. Yeah. He's your mirror I image mean, of Crease, right? Right, right. Yeah, he's the mirror image of Crease. He's the nice, the nice version, shorter. Like they had it. Like it had to be Pat Morita. Like kudos to Pat Morita, who you know was basically doing comedy before. Right, I mean, yeah. he was like straight, straight comedy. Arnold, he was you know he was wasn't he Arnold? Yeah, on he, the, was. he was Arnold. Yeah. Days. We were just talking Happy about that. Days, the show. Yeah. Happy days. Yeah, yeah. So, and he, but he also, I think it was interesting. I didn't think they needed to. I not to judge this, but I didn't think he needed to have a Japanese accent i don't i think he could have like it's highly believable that he would just have an american accent right possible he's been here for a long long time you know it just didn't seem like he needed that to go that deep 
but I, but whatever, it worked. And, you know, his sayings were, you know, very, I mean, even though this isn't Japanese, but they were very Confucius-like. And so he, he had very sage-like and oh, yeah. econom- economical. I mean, I'm sure do, he read. And, but do we believe in the magic of him rubbing hands? Like, what oh. was he doing to rub his hands <laughs> together? What came of that? Like, like is that a... Well, first of all, the music sold it. Like, yeah. he claps. Oh, yeah. The Bill Conti and score, the, that cymbal clap, that's, well, that's what it, sells right. it. That, the Bill Conti score is the... That sells so much of those, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, again, like, the when you think about, you know, Rocky training and the... Like, that right. sort of training montage or, like, getting... Like, you know that they went to Bill Conti and said, do what you did there or here. Oh, or, yes, and, yep. And I feel like they captured a little bit of that, and and you know not that certainly they, in the in the tournament at the end, a hundred percent they yeah, did. Yeah, that's what's wild. Like, so this is a movie that has a bunch of montages in it, right? The training montage that it really it, a lot of that is well, it's not even really a montage. It's like slowly drawn out where we see sure. all the like chores and stuff that really is stolen from like a lot of Hong Kong kung fu movies. Like one of the movies we talked before was like King Boxer, uh, the Five Fingers mm-hmm. of Death, and like. And that that character is doing all those same things, except his Sifu is throwing spears at him while he's doing it. So I guess Miyagi didn't throw spears. So well, plus for him, I mean, I didn't he, like, he did get some. Ch- I mean, you're 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 getting a ton of free labor. Yeah, that's which true. Is that's just... true. So so maybe he's smarter. He didn't throw the spear. That does but, pay uh, off though. In in you know when you're in the eighties and you're an eighties kid and you see that everything pays off where he comes right, home right. at night. I mean, how where was Miyagi that night? By the way, like what? Was <laughs> right, he, what was he, he doing? Go, yeah. I, that's also, right. here's your card. Now, do I have to? I mean, there was no question of like, do I pay the insurance on this or do you pay <laughs> right, the insurance right, on this? Right, yeah, right. they don't talk about that at all. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I mean, scene. how much did parents in the eighties love this movie that they're like? Oh, this is going to get my kids to do chores now. Maybe I was like six when I saw it. From personal experience, they had me doing everything, thinking I was going to learn karate. Man, I was out there right. in the house. I got nothing. I got a I got a bloody nose when I went to my first karate class. Is what I got. I mean, we worked as kids. We worked. Jay and I like we painted house. We painted houses one summer and exterior exterior of houses when we were in eighth grade. So we were younger than the karate kid. We were fourteen years old and we're like painting houses. We worked at a gas station, full service gas stations when we were. I mean, like we had job jobs, and now we have teenage kids and they don't have those jobs, you know. And so, but it's like that. I feel like that was what we all did. You're like, oh, you got to get a you got to get a summer job. You know, all of our right. friends had summer jobs. Like worked at a shoe store. I worked at a, the, like all of our friends, you know, I was a waiter. I was a bus boy. I was all these things. And so, you know, I mean, I think that was much more in the vernacular of, of what us kids did back in, in that time. So it wasn't too much of a leap to be like, all right, now you're going to go do this. And then once he got the car, that was like, Oh, it's all worth it. Everyone's like, okay, it's all worth it. Right, Which right, also right. could have been a grooming thing too, as you're looking at. Like, here's the car. What are you gonna give me? You owe me. You, I won't. I won't collect now. I won't collect now. But you owe me. But there's, you know, there's something you come can back, do. For come me. back when I'm drunk. Come back when I'm drunk, and I'll give you a silk robe, and you can try it on. Uh, uh, coincidentally, Machio still has that car. Apparently, He's does he really? Yeah. Oh my god. I don't what think. It, I don't car. think we've ever seen it. In Cobra Kai, not yet. Not yet. I mean, back. kudos, kudos to Machio. I mean, kudos to Machio for then going on to do My Cousin Vinny, and yep. you know, and I mean, he's the thing about Machio, which it's hard because you know they hit the jackpot with him because he was an older guy who looked younger. So right. I don't know how old he was when he did the Karate Kid, but my I, guess he was. He was pre- drinking age. Definitely. He was twenty-two. Yeah, he, he was yeah. in his twenties. But he looks yeah, like so he's, he's twelve. 20, and he's, like, Exactly. Or he looks like he's certainly passed at 15 or 16 or whatever. Right. 16 because he could drive. Right. right. But So he played like about five or six years younger than he was, but he's also an adult. And so you're like, there's a lot of things this kid can do as an actor. He just pulled off so much oh, yeah. of the emotion that you're just like, oh my God, that you can give this kid everything. We can give him all the emotion. We don't have yep. to kind of do crazy camera cuts to make it look like this. No, you can have the camera right on him and in right. his face and he can really pull off everything you want him to. And so right. I think when you have a guy like that as the lead of your movie who's playing a kid and you can pull that off, it's just... They knew they had gold with him. So right. the trick for him was how do you, outside of that, move forward and do other things? And it's not like he ha- 
had a crazy awesome adult film career. You know, when he not adult film career, but I'm saying like as an adult, I don't know what he did. Or is that good? Like he had a very different uh, version. No, he of... did. My cousin Vinny was the only other big big hit right. for him. Oh, and the Outsiders. He was also well, the Outsiders. Outsiders. That was before. That was before. That's, yeah. how we got, was... that's how we got yeah. noticed by this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but I mean, he did the Outsiders. Then he did Karate Kid One, Karate Kid Two, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, right. Three, three was a woman. No, then, I think no, he was in three. three. It was the next Karate Kid, and Hillary Swank takes. Over. It was Hillary. Hillary Swank, Swank took over, yeah. and then like the Karate Kid became this like proving ground. And then didn't like uh, Will Smith's son yeah, play yeah, the next with Smith. Jackie Chan that yeah. was Karate Kid, but they were. Doing kung doing fu. Doing kung fu. That's right. They just you got to keep the branding. That, right? Why wouldn't they call him the kung fu kid? I'd like be, you didn't uh, have to call it the karate, karate kid. kid. <laughs> it's like trading on that. The kung fu kid. I would definitely. I would it's watch. Better. It. Why it's is a that better not a title? Movie. Like I would watch that right now. Right. Exactly. Thank you. Thank exactly. you. Exactly. And now they're living off of Cobra Kai. So. That's right. I mean, Cobra Kai was the brilliance of Cobra Kai is that as we all and Jay and I have created a number of shows, and you know, you you have to. When you're creating a show out of whole cloth, you you have to do this terrible thing at the beginning of any pilot, which is like explain everything to the people who don't know what this world is. You've got to have one person be like, well, we moved here from over there and then this happened. And then, you know, this town over here, you don't know this, but this town used to be a thing. And like somebody's got some terrible fucking speech that they got to give to the whole thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And what cobra kai did was they're like oh we know that you know all this other stuff so we're gonna show like a little bit of the movie which was brilliant at the beginning and then the rest of the show plays off of what we all understand were the roles and the iconic things from three movies well but and it and it did the thing that we all do with movies that we love which is where what happened to those guys? Right. What happened right. to those guys? Where are they now? Is a very very powerful like curiosity among lots of people. And I think when you have an iconic thing like this, and it says, you know, I think, you know, if Michael J. Fox were healthier, I think you would have seen a Back to the Future streaming series, uh, you know, down the line of like all the alternate realities or something like that, you know, like I, and I, maybe that still is coming. I don't know, but I'm just saying like, there's a mate, there's a major feeling when you have an iconic movie. And I think karate kid, as much as we make fun of it, it sits up there with (laughs) Rocky for sure. And it sits up there with back to the future. And it sits up there with, I mean, I would put it in the back to the future category, which was a show about a high school kid who is and it had multiple you know in in the sequels and sequels and it was a series of movies that probably did very well for the studio that again was about kids when we were kids and so like all the people who were around our age who were in high school from like 82 to 89 all the people who were in high school around that time were like i'm close to this kid's age even if you're in college and whatnot and the younger kids who are in middle school in like the late 80s they're like i know college my older brother is this age and so it kind of hit this huge swath of people and it just was the crazy thing is you just won't see those movies made today they're just not made today it's if it's not marvel like our our kids aren't watching those movies about kids their age they're watching captain marvel they're watching you know they're watching all these other movies which are interesting and great It's it's like the reverse of tv though it is kind of the reverse of television for kids so when we were kids we watched a lot of adults on tv like As kids, we watched Mary Tyler Moore, and we watched the New Heart good, Show. Good times. We're two Jewish yeah. white kids in St. Louis, and we're watching like episodes about like a rent party for Wanda, and you're just like, it was it was fascinating and or interesting. Jeff- or the Jeffersons, or all of yep, the family. Yep. I mean, that's that we watched adults, and then now kids because of like Disney XD and all this stuff, all of their protagonists and all their TV shows are children. They're it's children getting laughs. It's people who look like them. That's what they're getting from TV. But from movies, like Randy's saying, you know, the majority of the movies that kids watch are, Mar- I mean, the majority of movies that exist right now are Marvel movies. That's just it. It's everything is a version of a superhero. That's it. Right. 
Those, right. That's all the movies that they get. Whereas in the 80s, it was all about how can we make these high school movies? How can we make every, right. like Ferris Bueller? How can we recreate that? Okay, right. well, let's. 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller, yep. Karate yep. Kid. Like all these movies showed you, and I would go with My Bodyguard, and I would go with yeah. Meatballs. These are oh, yeah. all movies of high school kids trying to understand their lives and it worked for high school kids because they were there it worked for adults because they remember what their life was like in high school there was nostalgia roped in it was a very very cool zapped i'll throw zapped in there with with scott bale and willie ames that's great that's great i mean like all of those but like that was every single movie valley girl with the early nick cage like i remember watching every single high school weird science every every anthony michael hall movie like they were just like cottage industries all of these movies and a lot of them were actually quite good yeah um and and I would put the Karate Kid in there too. I mean, you talk about, it's it. We do consider it a sports movie because there's competition involved and obviously martial arts involved. I mean, Jay and I would say, in our top 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 movies, sports movies ever. If you wanted to get in this discussion, oh yeah, I mean, we the, do. The original Bad News Bears. <laughs> the original Bad News Bears is so like good. oh yeah yeah. It's unbelievable. Like, unbelievable. Mainly because they lose. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Sorry. Spoiler alert. Um, they Wait, lose. Would it have been better if Daniel lost at the end? Maybe. Well, so, so they remade the, the Bad News Bears, and I think they win. Don't yeah. they? Come on. I yeah, think those, they, yeah. they win. I'm but not they, sure. I actually, I didn't watch it. But, so, <laughs> but, but, I, but I do know that, like, the fact that the Bad News Bears lost, the fact that like Breaking Away is another movie that we love. Oh my God, that movie! I mean, that <laughs> freaking movie. That movie meant so much to us, and it's a biking movie. Not that like we ever got into like you know competitive bike racing. <laughs> you didn't? Yeah. No, but like you were just like this is one of the greatest sports movies all time. Of course, Hoosiers. But like the the idea that. You know, and again, it's like it goes back to this notion of I, what what the what Breakaway got right that made that moment in the Karate Kid funny. Of like, have you heard about the Karate Tournament? Yeah, who hasn't? Well, everyone <laughs> in Indiana has heard about the Little Five Hundred because it's an actual thing. Everyone in Bloomington, everyone in Bloomington, in Bloomington has. And so when the dad, like, so there was no moment like this in the Karate Kid. Part of what was such a great thing about Breaking Away was for so much of breaking away like for so much of breaking away the father figure Paul Dooley's character did not accept his son because he didn't understand his son because his son wasn't him his son like he goes in the bat like this is such a brilliant at the time it was a brilliant uh concept is that he's shaving his legs so he can <laughs> can go faster on right. the bike. Yeah. But it's also a thing that's seen of like a my boy is shaving his legs, which in the nineteen seventies was like, how dare you? You <laughs> right. know, who is my boy? Is my boy or is he my daughter? I don't know right, what it right. is. It was like a gender thing. But like so that was the apex of him not understanding what his son is doing. Well of course I'm shaving my legs so I can go faster on the bike. I don't want even hair on my legs. That was going to sort of ruffle his feathers somewhat, Jake. So, so the moment where he's at his place of work, this used car dealership, Paul Dooley's character, and he's listening to the Little 500, and he's listening to an announcer on local radio say his name, Stoller. His son, you know, Stoller gets on the bike, and he moves over to this thing, and he's like, he's getting into it because number one, it's finally clicking for him that his son is good at what he's been trying to do. And this is something he hears on the radio where he hears his own name, his own last name and the, and the announcers saying it and saying, you know, Stoller moves into first place, moves into second place, you know, and he gets, he's like sort of imitating as if he were in the race himself He's pretending the father's actually playing make believe like he's in the race. And then there's a moment where he makes a decision where he turns the key in the car and he says, I'm going to drive to the track and go see my son. Symbolically, I'm going to go to him. The whole right, movie, right. I have not gone to him. I'm going to drive to him, and he does. And then he shows up, and he, and he sees him on the side of the race. And by, of course, when he shows up, they're in bat, they're in last place, and you know the everything is going to shit, and it's it's not working out. And then, 
But there is no moment like that in the Karate Kid, which I think forces the Karate Kid. It means it's not going to have the same depth because right. the characters weren't built that way in that movie. It's it's more of a superficial like yeah. good guy's going to beat the bad guy. Whereas in this movie, yes, the frat guys were kind of shitty guys, but they were just be, you know the the towny guys backed over their frisbee and like treated them <laughs> like shit. So like it kind of went back and forth. It was more like a competitive thing versus a I'm a bully and I'm a bad guy and I'm a townie and I'm the good guy. It's more like we're all good guys and bad guys right. and we're all fighting for acceptance. Whereas in the Karate Kid, it felt a little more simplistic and binary. Like good guy has to triumph over bad guy. Right. Now I do like the moment at the end of Karate Kid when like one of my favorite moments is when Johnny hands him the trophy. It's like, you're all right, you're Larissa. All right. Yeah. You're all right, Larissa. He didn't say you're good. Yeah, that's he didn't right. say you're great. Well, that, he said you're all right. right. Thanks the, a lot, I you think dick. That's the dirt bike culture way to say that you're, you're all right. I mean, you're all right. But, but he wanted to give him the trophy. So in that moment, I do think that's where the, mo- the movie in a big way redeems itself. Oh, yeah. Because he's letting him know that he's grown. Right. Also, it'd be right. great if, like, someone was like, "Hey, why do you have the trophy? You lost." Right? You know I mean? Like, get it away, get the trophy away from this loser over here. Like, right. someone right. from the thing. I think right. it reminds you that they're kids. Like, I, I think right. we forget that in a lot of these eighty eighties movies. Like you said, you got the good guys and the bad guys. They're children. You know, like there are no yeah. good guy and bad guy children. And there's kids. They all have the same insecurities, like you said. And I think, you know, Cobra Kai show definitely exploits that kind of backstory much later. But I think the fact that Johnny gives him the trophy is like, you know, he's not a bad person. He hasn't developed enough to become a bad person. He's just right. misguided. And, mm-hmm. and Miyagi says that a couple of times. He's like, you know, there's no bad students. There's only bad teachers, which right. brings it back to the fact that these Crease. kids aren't. Yeah, crazy. Right. He, These kids are so misled good. by a bad guy. They're not right. which inherently is why, bad. Right, and which is why we get that great payoff at the beginning of Karate Kid 2 when Miyagi oh, yeah. beats his ass. <laughs> That's right, in the parking yeah. lot. Or actually, it doesn't even he really beats, beat his ass, right? It's more that he, like... He, he honks his nose. Oh, right, he more, like, steps out of his way. He sort of gets out of his Priest way. basically beats his own ass. Yeah. yeah. yeah the and, car's and, beats his ass? Yeah, yeah the car kind of beats him. But, I mean, it is... Yeah, that is... that, And it's so funny. I feel like that note, that that, that begins Karate Kid 2, probably came from focus groups... Who watched right. the first movie? Like oh, yeah. they're like, I want. We want to see John Kreese get his come up in. Like we oh, want to yeah. see, right. you know, the sensei get his come up in. We we have to see it. And so they were like, okay, now you got to put this in the first scene of the other thing. And of course, they handled it in a in a fun way. And I, again, you do see a little bit of 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 Pat Morita's comedy kind of come through. It's a oh, much yeah. more subdued version. Yeah. I mean, look, as comedic actors that we are and trying to make it in this way, like that, that role for Pat Morita and the several movies that he did and the iconic status that he achieved oh, from yeah. that as a guy who wasn't your typical leading man, right. you know, he wasn't chiseled out of granite and he was like, they had to sort of make a little bit of, you know, yeah, mythology. mythology about him and give him quote unquote superpowers, almost karate superpowers right, right. to, so, you know, and it's like, what they did for him and to him, like we as the non-traditional actors and comedic actors that we are, we always feel like we're against all odds. Right, I mean, we right. feel like Daniel LaRussa and Miyagi walking into this karate tournament, like we don't have the right belts or the right forms filled out. We always feel that way. Oh, yeah. So like in that way, we kind of related to that. And I can right. say as an actor now looking at what Pat Morita, I wonder how old he was when he did that, can we look up how old Pat? Like when Pat Morita, I'm going to look sure. up how uh, when he was born because I'd yeah. love to see based well, on how the, old we are now. Right. Um, right. So he was born in 32. So, so what? When did Karate Kid was 85? Yeah. 52. Is that right? 32. Yeah. To, so he's in his 50s. Yeah. 50, yeah. 52. So three years. Pat Morita, <laughs> three years older than us right now. So that's crazy. So if we were to get a role at this age. That was the role that everybody knew us from for the rest of our lives. What a huge gift. I mean, that gift oh, yeah. and what a – so I can think of it from Pat Morita's life. What an unbelievable gift this gave him for the rest of his life. 
Oh yeah. yeah well, absolutely. hopefully, punches and popcorn can do that. For you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you guys, come on. That's right. We're we're really you have well, a lot of pressure, you guys. Well, it's got to be that, or I don't know for you guys if that is what nosebleeds is going to be. Look, we hope. I mean, this is this is a reboot of Cheap Seats, our show Nosebleeds, and I think anyone who's listening to this podcast would love what we do, which is dig back into the archives and basically do what we just did to the Karate Kid, but we do it to <laughs> UFC 1, and we do it to the first episode of The Ultimate Fighter, and we do it to <laughs> Butterbean Fights, and we do it to... <laughs> I mean, butter. I mean, there, there's UFC three. Emmanuel Yarbrough, who's a 610 pound sumo wrestler from the hotbed of sumo wrestling, Rahway, New Jersey, and among other things, I mean, that might have been where Daniel Larusa was from in Rahway, New Jersey. But the point is that, like this, we take that comedic lens to the old footage, and look, we actually really enjoy mixed martial arts i think it's super cool i we know a ton more probably about other sports like college football and baseball and the nfl and whatnot we know more of the intricate details that's not what this show is this show is not (laughs) us showing you how much knowledge of mma we have it's more just looking at the tiny little details of ways in which they thought they were doing a good job back then but (laughs) it's looking at that hey you heard about the big karate tournament this weekend who hasn't it's looking at that versus yeah so i mean just it's it was it's a fascinating show the fact that we did six episodes they're all available on ufc fight pass but the first one all of your listeners can go to if you go to youtube and look up the nosebleeds and ufc it's on their ufc page or go to our instagram at scholar brothers follow us and then just click on the link in our bio you can watch the first episode it's like less every episode is less than 20 minutes which is like a perfect fast time and uh, we're just so proud of it we would love to make a bunch more so it's literally on your audience right now can your audience (laughs) watch it 500,000 times that's all I'm saying you heard Randy get after it we need everybody to be watching this show just on a loop like like you're sleeping have it on it's I mean unfortunately you won't be able to sleep you're just gonna be laughing non-stop it was great I I watched the first episode so far Freaking hilarious. And it is wild to like go back to when that was UFC, when it was just this mix like, we're going to have, uh, or what? <laughs> I remember you guys commented on this. That, Jim like, Brown. The, the Jim. boxing the boxing artist or the boxing person. Boxing like, person. If only boxing we had person. a word to describe <laughs> someone that boxed. Yeah, like, a boxer? Uh, you know. right, right. That's a dog. Come right. on. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it, it's wild to see that and then see where, like, where UFC is now. And, yeah. You know, it's, it's a lot it's of so fun. polished. It's so polished now. And that's kind of like the beauty of the show. And I think one of the reasons why UFC, you know, for so many years had to fight for legitimacy. And understandably, yep. there were a lot of places that didn't want to put it on. And so, you know, the idea that like, you know, they had to fight so hard to get to a certain place for legitimacy. But now they can, understanding where they are now, they can look back. I mean, we jokingly say, you know, I go look back at pictures of us in 1982. 586 when the karate kid came out right we were ridiculous we could go an hour on just like old pictures of us just ripping on our hair and this and that but we know who we are today versus who we were then and i right, think there's right. that that healthy sense of confidence where you're almost so confident you can rip on yourself back in the old that's day. right well right, it, exactly. it really connects to the karate kid too because you know that's kind of like ufc in those days was the daniel larusso and yeah. then eventually they gave the flying crane kick to professional boxing and you know professional yeah, know. boxing is now the one that's kind of on the ground yeah wiggling well, and, you know, and, and crazy crazily and i know you guys can you know i mean dominic you can speak to this too but the idea that you know ufc just makes the fights you want to see every single week and every oh, yeah. single month whereas boxing there is no governing board so if we wanted to see the pacquiao mayweather fight five years before that stupid fight happened you know jay and i grew up jay and i remember going to our friend howard opinski's house and getting the pay-per-view to watch sugar ray leonard and marvin hagler in 1989 i believe it was and and that was one of the best fights we've ever seen and we all gathered around and i'm like this is boxing at its absolute best and from that point on yes they made some good fights and there were great tyson fights and there were great evander holt field and you know those fights were were good fights however it got to a point where people are like well i want this and i want that and we can't make this fight happen because this and that and the ufc is like screw that right. we want like we'll you all the fighters if you want to see that we will create 10 to 15 matchups 
that all will rotate in our process and will each be at a different point within their own process so that you see a matchup every month that you're like, yep. I want to see that. Yeah. I mean, there's a Usman fight that's happening tomorrow night that you're just like, that's a rematch, Lewis Usman, that you're like, I, I cannot wait. I was looking at some training video footage of, you know, came across my TikTok of Lewis training, and I'm like, this is going to be a good fight. <laughs> and you're excited about that fight, and it's like that's a fight that maybe in boxing wouldn't happen for a year and a half because of weird BS stuff. Right. And there's it's cool, too, because especially in those early days, which Nosebleeds is really digging into right now, Right. Um, there's some, uh, there's crossover, right. With like the wider martial arts world. Like I know we talked sure. about when we covered, uh, with Grady Hendrix and Chris Pogiali, the Ron Van Cleef movies. I know he was in one of the early yeah. UFC mm-hmm. fights mm-hmm. too. And well, and then we getting a little later, a guy that we talked about recently, that's also created a lot of memorable movies. Steven Seagal claimed to sure. have trained a lot of <laughs> Those, uh, oh yeah, Steven Seagal talks about right. training the front kicks of giving, <laughs> you know, Alton, you know, I mean, like he's he's the guy who Anderson who, Silva, yeah. Anderson Silva, he yeah, she yeah. showed him how to do the front yeah. kick. Yeah, I'm like, uh, you can, yeah, that that's a whole other story. Well, maybe maybe you like... showed him how to shove a cheeseburger in the front of your face. I don't know. Oh, oh. guys, oh, I God. <laughs> yeah, we could go on with Seagal, but we. I uh, really appreciate that you guys have been here. Um, yes, thank you know, you. this has been thank a lot so of fun digging into Karate Kid. Yeah, um, appreciate it. Again, really encourage our audience to go out and uh, check out Nosebleeds. Again, watch it uh, five times. Check out that UFC Fight Pass. Uh, again, it's where you amazing. can get all the six episodes currently, and hopefully it's something that will continue. Uh, listen to Randy and Jason on View from the Cheap Sheet Seats. Cheap sheets. I mean, cheap that could sheets. be another show, right? Cheap, you know, you were talking about adult movies. So. It's just yeah. all about uh, it's all about cheap betting. <laughs> That's, people want to know about those 100 thread counts. Inexpensive betting, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and dumb people town again. All great stuff. Um, any uh, final thoughts from anybody on the American Karate Classic, Karate Kid? Karate Kid. I think we gave what we gave. I think yeah. we're yeah. the only last thing I want to say is that nosebleeds is absolutely the tightest nineteen minutes of, of TV I've watched in forever. It is joke after joke after joke. Do not <laughs> Thank miss it. You. It's so good. It's yes. Crazy. I mean, what we hope, and this is a great way to wrap this whole thing up, is we hope that somewhere someone says to someone else, "You've heard about the nosebleeds, right?" And their response is, "Who has? <laughs> Who hasn't? Who has there you go. Yes. Full circle." Again, uh, thank you guys. Thank you so hope much, guys. Uh, hope we can get you on again, especially if we want to dive into the other uh, <laughs> Karate Kid franchise, Karate Kid or you know, if you guys want to go ham on Steven Seagal, there's uh, we're there's... ready to do that too. <laughs> Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Or my bodyguard, we'll do oh, my yeah, bodyguard. bodyguard. Yes, yeah, yeah, we will do that. We'll yeah, yeah we'll talk Let's with you guys. We'll yeah. we'll make that, that happen. One. So thanks very much, guys. Awesome. All right, so if you recall, Miyagi says, if you can catch a fly with chopsticks, you can do anything. And he's probably right, because catching a fly with chopsticks or even your bare hands is pretty hard. Uh, And that's because flies are extremely well built to not be caught. Okay, so they have several specializations that allow for them to take off super fast and fly really well, which is why they're such a pain for people. First thing I want to talk about is the eyes. So um, (laughs) technically, flies have five eyes. If you want to, it's a little little, it's a little complicated. So they have three eyes at the top of their head, which we call ocelli, which means little eyes. And those are there to detect light and shadow. So they're really simple. But when a shadow goes over a fly, it's like, oh, my God, there's something above me. And that's an indicator of of, uh, it might be threat. Threatened. But the major eyes are these two really large eyes that you can see from very far away on a fly. They wrap around their entire heads. They're called compound eyes. Now, compound eyes work differently than our eyes. Our eyes are balls with one hole in them that move and focus on things. Okay. So, uh, there's ours actually overlap quite a bit. They don't necessarily have to like your horse or something like that. But in a fly, the eyes are stationary and cover 270 degrees of vision. Because they're made, the compound eyes are made up of uh, many very small eye parts known as omatidium. Omatidium. Wait, what? Oh, oh, my Peter. oh, my what? <laughs> omatidium. You all right? Yeah. Do you need ointment? 
Is there an ointment? <laughs> Jay, can you check and see if we got any ointment for him? A lot of beer will do that to you, man. <laughs> so the plural omitidia make up the... <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Make up the compound eye. Anyway, <laughs> so a fly can see pretty much most of its environment at any one time. Now, the thing about compound eyes is they don't have great um great focus. So flies can't make out like a crisp, clear image, but that wide range of vision, and also they can detect movement really easily. So the eyes are built to know you're coming right away. Okay, their brain is also interesting because the visual pathway that goes to their brain processes information, visual information seven times faster than we do. Seven times. So when we think we're swatting at a fly, or in the case of the karate kid, chopsticks grabbing a fly, and if we think we're going as fast as possible, the fly is registering that in seven times slowdown. It basically sees what we see in slow motion. So it's reacting seven times faster than we possibly can. So you're at, you can't, you know, outspeed a fly. Flies are seven times quicker when it comes to registering visual information, basically see our world in slow motion. Another thing is. So the Bruce Lee thing is a myth. Which one? Where he just caught a fly out of the air. I mean, you. I mean, he caught a cobra. Can he catch a fly? I mean, Bruce Lee's not a person. Like, come (laughs) on. He's he's amazing. I mean, who knows what Bruce Lee sees the world? Like... Eight times slow motion, apparently. Eight times right. slow motion, apparently. Uh, I feel like I feel like also you you can predict the way a fly moves. That's the only way you're going to kill a fly is by kind of predicting where it's going to go. You got to lead it. Another thing about flies is their wings. So insects actually have four wings, typically have four wings. So if you look at a butterfly, it's got four wings. A bee has four wings. Beetles have shields over their wings, which used to be wings. But flies have two wings. The other two wings have been turned into little gyroscopes called haltiers. In fact, the name for flies is diptera, which means two wings. Now, the haltiers, what they do is they function like gyroscopes. So they rotate around as the fly flies, and it can tell where it is relative to gravity at any time. So it can bank and turn and compensate very quickly, which is one of the reasons why flies are so maneuverable, because they essentially not only have those huge eyes, they also have those gyroscopic haltiers. So in theory, Paul McCartney should be the most agile person in the world because he had five wings. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm not laughing at that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) And the last thing is a fly has an interesting stance. So the way the fly positions itself is it's always ready to take off. So if you swat at a fly or whatever, it can register you swatting at it a lot faster than you can. And it can push off with its middle two legs. So it can be handling things with its upper two legs. It can be supporting itself with its, with its two hind legs, but the middle legs will push off. So it is just super hard to catch a fly because it's super well built for getting away from Miyagi's chopsticks. So it was really beginner's luck that Danielson got it. So did he hmm. really like get the fly in the chopsticks or was that like... I don't know if they even had. I thought like, I heard it was like like on a like string or oh, wire that's right. Or I heard that too. They they had like yeah, a, comic a fly wrangler. Men, they talk about like they they noosed a bunch of flies. <laughs> right. And they tried to cool them down. You know this. And yeah. I'm going to watch like the credits again and see if they say anything about whether they tortured flies or not. Because if they didn't, I'm just imagining it was like a a fly holocaust in that production. <laughs> Wait, do you hear what they did I, to Mister Ed to make was. him talk? <laughs> Uh, and, I, and i guess that means the the nintendo game is pretty scientifically accurate right yeah we were talking about before i think they were actually uh entomologists created that mini game just to verify that you could not do it that nintendo game was a pain in the ass all the way around but that fly catching one was the worst <laughs> what do you think was harder from the era was it the karate kid fly catching or top gun landing the carrier uh I'll take the third option, the third level in Battletoads. Oh, yeah. That's God. <laughs> what about the skateboard level in Back to the Future with the bowling balls and stuff? Oh, no, that one is impossible to play. That It's completely unplayable. It's like Superman 64, but that's a different podcast. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> with that, I think we all need to go and whip out our NESs and uh, omitidiums and uh, <laughs> go have a fun evening. So. 
Awesome. Uh, Dr. Dom, thank you for another wonderful science segment. Thank you. That's our episode again. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening. Thank you again to Randy and Jason Sklar for coming on to our show and giving us uh, quite a lot of laughs and some unique views of the Karate Kid. Uh, that was a lot of fun, uh, as is their show, Nosebleeds, on YouTube, on UFC's Fight Channel. So go check that out, definitely, and uh, let everybody know how much you love that. Uh, again, it's a lot of fun. Uh, more jokes per second than I thought was physically possible, but these guys are Superman, apparently. So... Uh, and again, check out our our friends on the Anomaly uh, or on the, the Lunchador Lunch podcast, podcast Network. Podcast Network. <laughs> uh, all sorts of shows, including Food About Town. Uh, our good friend Stromi was, was nice enough to let us use uh, Studio Bogota today to record this podcast. <laughs> and we are forever in his debt for that. Yes. Uh, also, you know, uh, Anomaly Presents, Mind of Magnus, Mimosas with My Besties. Uh, it, there's a litany of them. Go out and find them. They're great. Uh, yep. Tune in to all of them. Thank you again for listening. Yeah, thank you, everybody. Uh, until next time. And again, remember, set your calendars for uh, November 3rd through the 6th at the Little Theater in beautiful, historic Rochester, New York. We have so many sites to show you. So many eyes will be opened. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> yeah, so join us there. We will all be there and uh, enjoying Anomaly. Anomaly. All right, See thanks again, time. friends. We'll be back soon. This has been a presentation of the Lunchador Podcast Network.